Welcome to So You Want to Move to the Country and Raise Goats. This is a podcast about change. Change is all around us, and sometimes we're ready for it, and sometimes we're not. When it overwhelms us, well, we just want to move to the country and raise goats. This podcast features stories from people who have gone through change. We hope that their insights will help you better understand and deal with the changes in your life. I'm Peggy Koenig, and along with my co-host, Catherine Greiba, we chat with insightful people with interesting change stories. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Today we have Graham Snell on the podcast, and I've known Graham for a number of years, specifically when he first uh, joined the Chamber Board of Directors, and I was also on the Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors. So we worked together on a variety of different committees and interfaced at events, etc., and I've always been impressed with Graham's quiet leadership. I've known Graham also for a few years. I had no idea he was a musician. That after high school, he left for music school in Iowa. Yeah, that was quite the story of wanted to be a rock star. I, I know. <laughs> and, you know, he goes on to run the Aero Center in Saskatoon, Regina. And he's, you know, as you mentioned, chair of the chamber board. And he's now an executive director within the agriculture world, but he still came, has come back to his love of music and, and continues to, to do that on the side. His is a remarkable story of, of change and how he has worked through it. And he is just the nicest guy. He is. And, you know, he is a songwriter as well as a musician. And I would expect one of these days, we are going to be listening to, to some music written by Graham. Welcome, Graham Snell, to the podcast. Today, Graham is joining us from his office in Saskatoon, and Graham is the Executive Director of Chicken Farmers of Saskatchewan. And prior to that, Graham, you've had, you know, other positions, but a really interesting one was as the former General Manager of Saskatoon Regina Aero Centre. And of course, I met you, both you and Peggy were on the board together of the um, Chamber in Saskatoon, so met you there. So welcome to the podcast, and we're really interested in hearing about your journeys through change. So maybe just start by telling us a little bit about, I understand you went to the University of Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. and has, has your education uh, degree really been kind of a, a strong theme in your career? Or, or was that um, something that you got and really kind of moved into different areas? Yeah, that's interesting. I actually started out, uh, I wanted to be a rock star when I grew up. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, I, I, I'm a former musician. I, I like to think I'm a washed up musician. But uh, right out of high school, I moved to, uh, to America. I went to a little a music college in, in a little town in Iowa. I wanted to be a musician and, you know, started a band and played in bars and did all that fun stuff. So interesting, Iowa. Most people say when they want to be a musician, they go to Nashville. <laughs> Why Iowa? I was in, I was invited. You know that the fellow that owned the school, uh, he had a he, he had a reputation for inviting people to come to his school. He wanted people to come to, his school, so he invited. I was I got a phone call. I had a couple of decisions to make. I wanted to go to Vancouver, and you know Nashville is on the list and things like that. And I think my parents weren't cool with me going to Nashville and playing on the street. They were cool with me going to college. 
first and foremost. So it was a school. I got a call from this gentleman to come to a school and I did that. Um, and then I, you know, it was fun for a while. And then I realized, you know, I like to pay my bills on time and eat normally and, and things like that. <laughs> so I thought, you know, it's, it's good. It's time to come home, go to university uh, and see what happens. It's pretty interesting if, uh, you know, to have a child who says, hey, mom and dad, I want to be a rock star. <laughs> did you get a lot of support from your family and parents or did they feel that, well, this is a phase that Graham is going through and, you know, he'll grow out of it or, or how is, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a change, right? For parents, parents don't expect their kids to say, hey, I want to be a rock star. It's funny because I did, when I look back now, I unbelievably supportive of me and what I did. But they also saw me sitting in my bedroom for hours a day playing and, and they knew how passionate I was about it. And, you know, maybe if I have, maybe I should discuss it with them. Maybe they thought, well, this might be a phase, but it was a very expensive phase. Uh, <laughs> they sent me down. So and when I look back on it, man, they, incredibly supportive. They said, yeah, let's do this. Um, I remember my dad going down to the bank and getting a line of credit and we were talking about costs and, and, driving down with him to Creston, Iowa and, and getting this apartment and, and registering all that. Yeah. So they were incredibly supportive. I was very lucky. I think dreams are a wonderful thing. Um, you know, obviously that was a big dream for you, but as you said, you came to a point where you wanted to pay your bills, right? So what was that process like giving up your dream? Did you give up your dream? Was it a conscious decision or what was that change like? Well, I saw, you know, I, saw, I never wanted to, I never wanted to be that middle-aged guy on the, on the stage, you know, with a, with a big belly and a bald head and, and, and <laughs> trying to make it. And, and it sounds awful. And, I, and with all due respect to anybody still out there, I, you know, I had a kind of entitlement on, but it's, it's an incredibly tough business. And, uh, you know, when you're playing in bars for, and you make no money and, you know, the, all you get paid is maybe a cheeseburger and fries and a couple of beers that the owner of the bar gives you, it's really not a lot, you know, you're sleeping He's sleeping in the van or whatever that is. And that's a, that's a young person's game. And I realized it, I, there's more to this and, and I need to do better. So it was time to move on. So do you still, do you still, uh, ex, do you still play music? Is this still a passion that you have on the side? Yeah, I do. I mean, if 15 year old me could look into my music room in my house right now, it, he'd be absolutely stunned. You know, I have a whole pile of guitars, there's a piano, recording equipment, amps. You know, it's, I play as much as I can, not as much as I'd like, um, but I play as much as I can. And I still I still have dreams of playing music. And I still think music will be part of my career in some form. Hmm. It's part of my yeah. It's part of you. So you come back from Iowa, back to Saskatchewan. Now what do you do? You know, it all comes down to, you know, the old, the old love bug. You know, I had met a girl <laughs> and my my. <laughs> Girlfriend at the time, my girlfriend, uh, Jody, who is, who is now my wife, I've been married for 20 years here as of a couple of weeks ago. She was going to U of S studying to be a, become a teacher. So I, I really, I, I didn't know what I want to do, get a job, what do I do? So I enrolled at U of S and that was in 1999 um, in the College of Arts and Science. Um, I really not knowing what I was going to do. Just mm -hmm. needed to do something. Needed to do something. So what was your first job out of university? <laughs> I uh, I was a bill collector for the credit bureau. Oh, nice! It was the first yeah. was the first job I had. And in fact, I think I got that job because the the gentleman who owned the place he called me, and he was he was a musician too. And I swear he saw that I played guitar on my resume. He called me up. We talked about guitars for about a half hour. He offered me a job, and uh, I sat in a little room 
um, probably the size of this office, a bunch of cubicles, and I called people every day to pay their bills, and it was awful. And uh, <laughs> I got there every morning before anybody else, and I had my resume in my hand. And so then now, fast forward, this is 2003, right? I graduated university, and I had my resume, and I faxed it to every phone number I could find in the yellow pages that just had a fax number, just looking for a way to get out. It's, it's a tough business calling people to pay their bills. It's, uh, no doubt. Yeah. So did one of those uh, fax calls respond and say, yeah, we're interested in interviewing you? Yeah, that, that the first, finally got a call. So at that point, I was working at the credit bureau. I was, I was, we had our son. Our son was born young. Actually, our son was born first year university. Um, Jody and I were both 20 years old when we found out he was on the way. Um, he was born in 1999, a month after I started university. So that four years later, uh, Jody's had one more year to go in her degree. And so I was working three jobs, credit bureau. I was working at a record store and I was teaching guitar lessons. And I finally got a call from uh, a company, Ico Industries, a company called Roofmart, who sold roofing supplies here in Saskatoon to come. Uh, there was a position open on their order desk, the sales desk. And I interviewed for that job and I got that job and I was able to get out of the credit bureau. And, and that was my first dip into the construction business. So Graham, that, those are big changes. I mean, going to university well, there's always the love bug, you know, the love bug causes, <laughs> it causes so many problems for people. But um, so there's the love bug, you're going to university, uh, you're, you now you find out you're going to be a father. So through those times, did you find you had to dig for resilience? Like, was there, um, was there a lot of angst for you going through that period? And if so, how did you get through that all? It was, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of, it's that old school mentality, though. You do what you got to do. You know, I never, I never thought there was never kind of a. And between and my wife and I, there was never any woe is us. This is so hard on us. What are we going to do? We just go to work. You know, she finished her degree, and I worked as many jobs as I could, and we raised this little boy as best we could. And and there was never. I, I remember there was tough times. I, I remember, we had no money. I remember getting a call from the daycare provider saying that his uh, his ski pants had ripped in them. He needed new ski pants, and I remember digging through the ashtray in the car for change. And I had a Zeller's gift card with five bucks left on it, you know, things like that. And we've all been through that, like, you know, that kind of struggle. And I think that struggle has helped us all and to get to where we are today, knowing, having that fire and that desire to. Mm-hmm. So Graham, you must've been raised with some, uh, some raw, some values that would have given you that sort of inherent resilience or, or you, it sounds like you were, you had that resilience within you to to just motor ahead and and deal with the changes. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. I come from a, a working family. Both my parents worked. My parents were both teachers. Um, their brothers and sisters were teachers. My dad was a principal for twenty six years in the system. And in fact, I went to him and I, actually I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I wanted to become a teacher. And I remember him saying, "No, don't become, <laughs> <laughs> don't become a teacher." And he, and he gave me a list of reasons why. And, and he was right. And and, uh, you know, looking back, he's 100% right. I would not be a very good teacher at all. But I married a teacher. Um, but, yeah, as far as values go, well, you know, they both worked. It was just kind of a get-it-done attitude. My grandparents, everybody all, it's just, yeah, just work hard and keep it simple. Just, just work hard and keep it simple. No need to complicate it. Yeah. So, Graham, you, you've obviously, you know, you've had some very impressive positions in your career. So you have really built a strong resume. How did you kind of develop and and progress through the jobs that you were in to be able to get into, you know, a GM of an aero center? 
um, mm-hmm. executive director positions. These are these are really key positions. How did you kind of um, go through those years of man just slugging away to be able to build those leadership skills to get to where you are today? Well, I think it's uh, you always want you always want more. I think you're always striving to do more, and and so in regards to changing and moving those positions, you know, you get known for something. I believe you get known for something and then people assume or think that you should maybe take that something to the finish line. Um, I feel like you could easily get stuck or typecast and maybe that's all you get to do with your career. And I had a fear. I remember having the specific fear of waking up 20, 30 years later and, uh, and, and not that there's anything wrong with working in a job for 20, 30 years. That's great too. But I had a fear of waking up and then that's all I would know how to do. And so then if I wanted to make a move, I know who's even going to look at me. Who's even going to hire me? I remember getting periodically getting calls from recruiters um, and, you know, we get those calls and it's nice to get those calls, but they were jobs right within the same industry, oftentimes with our same, even with our competitors. And I knew if I was going to make a change, I wanted to make it completely wild and new. So it sounds like you, you knew because you were forecasting, I mean, you didn't want to be a middle-aged rocker on the stage you did you didn't want to be you knew what you didn't want to be you want you want to change you wanted different things and so it sounds like you knew you had to go through significant change in order to do that because because status quo wasn't part of your plan no no you know change is going to happen and it's inevitable and it's going to happen either fast or it's going to happen slow but it's going to happen and so i think you just need to be prepared for it and so that's what i've always done prepared for that change either way mm-hmm. I think it's a fascinating change that you made. You know, you were involved with the aero centers, the aviation industry, and you jumped. Well, you didn't jump. You took your time, but you moved from there to deal with chickens, right? <laughs> they still fly. Well, they sort of fly. But... Around that way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of jokes come my way, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about about that change because that that is a pretty significant change yeah so what happened is you know i was working for the aero centers and and it was great and all as well and there was a, a it was owned by uh there's a whole big backstory where they were owned by westman aviation and then in 2015 we split from westman aviation and and um the the aero centers and another company called lancaster aviation fuels which i also ran were owned by one sole owner a guy by the name of Dennis Cole. And uh, he'll, if he's listening to this, he'll roll his eyes when he hears this. But I use the word mentor, and I know he's rolling his eyes right now if he, if he was a mentor. But he was, and he was my mentor. And uh, you know, a great guy. Um, and so I worked for him, and we had a great relationship. It all was going well. And uh, he came to me in February of 2018, and he said, you know, he, he, was, a, he was away in Arizona. He came back in a special trip, and he says, I'm selling my companies. I've had some offers I can't refuse. This is how it's going to go. And so, and will you help me? Will you stay with me to help me with this transition? So all is good. And so I, I you know, I thought to myself, I, what, I, what I really should have done is I should have started that change, that, that mission to change a couple of years previous. Cause I, you know, I had felt that all my work was as done at the aero centers, but I never wanted to leave Dennis. You know, he took care of me and I helped take care of his companies. And it was really, we had this great relationship and it was, uh, so think looking back professionally and for growing, I should have probably made that transition. But I, anyways, I decided to stay and, and another company bought us and, and all was well. But then, but it gave me that freedom now with Dennis out of the picture, who I didn't want to hurt, which is kind of silly to say, with him out of the picture, it gave me that kind of freedom to kind of take a look. 
So flash forward to, you know, working away and I'm, I see opportunities and I didn't, I thought if I'm going to make a jump, I'm going to make it, you know, I'm going to mean something to me. And then I got a call um, about this, the chicken farmers of Saskatchewan were looking for a new guy. And actually I laughed out loud. I had never heard of the chicken farmers of Saskatchewan, which is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, you've heard of milk and dairy and, and pork and all those things. But, uh, and then, yeah, I, I researched it. I looked into it. I met with our board of directors a couple of times and it turns out it's a, it's a pretty big deal. I, it's a, it's a, it's a huge deal. It's a huge industry worldwide. And it's uh and they needed, yeah. So I don't work with the chickens. I, I've learned a lot about chickens in the last year, but they needed that. They needed a business guy to come to look after their, their organization. And that I've had a blast so far. Wow. So Graham, you know, as you've looked forward into what you wanted, want to do um, and Peggy mentioned resilience and there's a couple of things about, you know, when people have resilience, one of them is they have purpose. How important was finding purpose in your work in your guiding your decision to choose another position? Yeah, I, I've always, I've always wanted to do work that was important. Mm-hmm. I felt I missed the boat on, you know, becoming a doctor and curing a disease and things like that. I mean, I can miss that boat early on. I did, but I thought if I wanted to do something. I always wanted to be important. And, you know, don't get me wrong, construction's important. People build houses and buildings and, and flying around in planes is important and things like that too. But I mean, food is incredibly important mm-hmm. and, uh, and making sure it's safe and the, and the farmers are taken care of and they're treated properly and, and all those wonderful things. I mean, it's a pretty important organization. And so it, it feels important. So when you talk about that mission and, and wanting to do well, that's, that's exactly it. Important, an important, meaningful position. That's important mm-hmm. to me. And what's it been like, you know, kind of on the, on the personal front, uh, going through this change? Has there been any impact, changing positions? Has there been any impact to your family? Um, how, tell us a little bit about about what that was like. Um, well, luckily for me, well, our, our, our kids are older. So our son is, mm-hmm. he's 20. He's, he doesn't live with us anymore. He has his own career of his own. Our daughter's going into grade 12. So that was a, there's a lot of travel. If, if there's no COVID, there's a lot of travel exposition and that, that was asked of me, but um, as far as my family's concerned, I never, luckily for me, and I've chosen, I've done this on purpose as well. I've chosen careers where I had flexibility and I'm extremely proud to say that I've never missed a, a game. I've never missed an assembly at school. I've never missed any little thing. I was able to be at everything that our kids were able to do. Uh, so that flexibility is important to me. And I believe that's important to our staff and I want everybody to, to kind of feel that. So as far as if, when I am making these changes and I am making career decisions and thoughts, my family family comes first, and I definitely figure something out. I've, I've, I would never just jump and, and tell Jody, hey, I'm going to do this thing tomorrow and, you know, watch the look on her face. Like, no, everything's calculated and planned, and, and I do research and, and think it over. It's, I'm, not, I'm not at that jump stage just yet. <laughs> well, Graham, it sounds to me like there's, a, the, there's sort of a, a triangle, perhaps, of things that you consider when you're making change, like family is part of the equation, finding purpose and meaningful work, and also this fear of becoming uh, a redundant uh, and mediocre. Would those, would those be the things that sort of you, that, that's your framework for making change? Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I want to be adaptable and then people, and I want to be able to work anywhere and do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, business is business no matter what industry. 
And it was ne- it was never about the subject or the business. It was about, uh, you know, those business, those skills are all transferable. And uh, if I can come and work for a different company and help them out with whatever they need, along with, you know, a bunch of great staff, which I've been lucky enough to have, then let's do that. You know, Graham, one of the things that's really impressed me about you is your your positive approach and your positive frame of mind. How important do you think it is to embrace healthy thinking when going through change? Oh, man, I can't imagine. You know, we all know people that you know, kind of these negative, you know, down. It only rains on them and, and things like that. And I, and I feel bad for those people. It's... Uh, I, I, you really gotta, I gotta tell you, and everybody needs to do this. Everybody needs to sit down and call themselves on their own garbage. You know, you need to, you know, you need to sit down and you, let's all sit down, take a look in the mirror, and actually, no one's around. You know, maybe take a list, write it down, and write down anything that's holding you back or what's going on. And it's not. You're gonna find out pretty quick. It's not any one person. Or it's nothing else. Like it's all. It's only ourselves. So we just, you know, you don't need to tell anybody about this list, but maybe call yourself on your own stuff. And then work to fix them. And you got to be 100% positive. And, and I've been, and that's how it goes. You know, the, there's health issues and things that go on or whatever. And you can sit around and mope around and I think the end is over. But no, nah, you just roll with the punches and, and uh, have a positive light and keep on light. I mean, life is short. Let's keep rolling. It sounds like you're, you're talking about a self-accountability, like calling, you know, looking at yourself and saying and realizing that really it's yourself that is if you're going to be causing issues or if you're in a place in your life that it's not working for you, it's really, it's really on you, right. To make the change. 100% it is. It's nobody else. So we all have the power. We're lucky enough to live in the part of the world where we can make all these decisions and do whatever we want. So what are some of the, you've really shared a lot of great things. I think, uh, well, I know you have about change uh, that our listeners can, can grab onto. Are there any, any key things about change that you would like to share um, further to what you've already talked about? Yeah, you know, and, I, and Peggy, I've done, I've read all the books, all the books you're supposed to read, you know, all the famous authors and the business books and the self-help books and things like that. And I've read them all. And then I I put them back on the shelf and then I, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure, and I'm sure, and I, I'm using them like maybe subconsciously or whatever, but I find it hard like there's, there's so many things you could do and, and maybe you could tie yourself up all day long with following the set of rules that this author wrote. Right. Uh, or you can just kind of put your head down and, and get it, get it done. And that's, and it's a real simplistic approach and it kind of seems silly to say, but just do the work, just put the work in. It's yeah. Just work. Yeah. It's just put your head down and hard work. Yeah. So true. Just old school, just old school values. It's yeah. complicated. Yeah. So, Graham, when can we expect uh, for your music career to be revived? <laughs> Is this coming soon? Well, it, it, it'll definitely be behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, uh, you know, I, uh, I, well, I still got all my hair, which is great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a big bill just yet. But uh, uh, I definitely am working on a, a lot of things. And I've obviously back when I was in the band, there's songwriting was a big thing. It's, and so I actually, I, I write songs. And I'm writing songs, and there's and there's certain um, certain genres that don't write their own songs. The artists don't write their own songs, so they, they have the teams of songwriters. And so there's the things I'm working on. And I have lists and lists and, and buckets of recordings and things that I'm, I'm working on. And eventually, I'm hoping we'll see the light of day. I think that's 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I look forward. I look forward to seeing your name as songwriter on on the uh, album notes, right? We do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Graham, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your stories about change and really appreciate that you've joined us today. Wonderful to to talk with both of you and see both of you. And uh, thank you so much for having me. If you've learned just one thing about change while listening to this podcast, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify and share with a friend. This episode recorded via Zoom audio. Producers Peggy Koenig and Catherine Greiba. Executive producer Koenig Leadership Advisory. Theme music La Pompeii, written by Chris Harrington, music publisher Invato Market. For information on this podcast and to purchase some fabulous goat merchandise, please visit www.getyourgoat.ca.